Hello and welcome. You are listening to the teaching ministry of Coastal Oaks Church in Rockport, Texas. It is our hope that you will be encouraged and that your desire to follow Jesus Christ will be challenged and strengthened as you listen to this podcast. For more information on location, service times, and what to expect on your next visit, go to CoastalOaksChurch.org. Now grab your Bible and study along with us as you listen. This morning we have a special opportunity to hear from a family that this church sent out a number of years ago to the mission field. And they have been back with us for a little while, but getting ready to go back to the field. And so this morning we're going to hear from Mike and, excuse me, Kevin and Michelle Kennedy. They are serving in Chiang Mai, Thailand. And they are two of three that uh, we as a church family have supported over the years. And uh, last year, um, Celeste uh, gave some of her time while she was back to share with you all. But we have a lot of new uh, coasties or coasters or coastals, whatever we're calling you. Um, Okies, but you're not Okies because you live in Texas, so you can't be an Okie. But um, there's a lot of new faces. And uh, we want you to know all that Coastal Oaks is involved in when it comes to sending out. Uh, The heartbeat of this is exactly what Jesus said uh, to us, uh, to the disciples on the day of his resurrection and that evening. He appeared to the disciples that night in the room where the door was locked. And as he appeared to them, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Um, And whether that is in Thailand or across the yard or across the street to your neighbor, we are missionaries. When we exit that door, we exit into our mission field. And so I'm going to invite Kevin and Michelle to come this morning and share what God has laid on their hearts uh, for us as a church today. And um, so you guys come on up. And as they're coming, um, let's, uh, let's pray together. Father, we thank you for Kevin and Michelle and, and Rayanne and, um, and JC, Father, for the years that they have spent on the field. Um, and now as, as Kevin and Michelle are still there, Lord, we pray uh, your blessing upon them. We pray that this church would always be a home base for them. Lord, that uh, we would um, lift them up in our prayers. Um, and Father, continue to support them into the future as long as you would have them there on the field. Father, give them the words to speak this morning. We pray that they'd be sensitive to your spirit and uh, that our ears would be open to hear what you have for us on this day. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, brother. Uh, Thank you, Pastor Chris, and also thank you for the choir and worship team. Those are perfect entry songs for us today, and so we just want to thank you for that. Um, We are going to have moments of audience participation, so be prepared for that. And um, I don't know if you guys know this, but just kind of a little bit of world trivia we're some of the last people on earth to worship today. So like 90% of the world has already been to church. Thousands of people have already been saved in church, probably baptized today as well. So just kind of a different, I mean, we always think of right here and right now, but so much of God has already been working today. And so we hope that continue that God will be continue working right now. <clears throat> Excuse me. First chance for our participant. Audience participation, say hello to Celise Drown. Hi, Celise. She's probably awake watching this. If not, she'll be watching it as soon as she can. Uh, it is 12 hours ahead there, so now it's after 11 o'clock or 11.30 there. And so um, she may or may not be awake. 
but I am not a preacher, and neither of us are public speakers. Um, so hang on tight. Um, I'll re- I will likely become emotional soon, so please bear with me. And also, you can rest easy. We are not asking for money. Whew. I know, right? So take that right off the plate. We only ask that you pray, and if the Lord leads you to support us in prayer or in any other way, please just be obedient to what the Lord says, and let that be between you and the Lord. So some more audience participation. If um, Raise your hand if you knew us before you went to Thailand. Okay, keep those hands up. If you have came to visit us to Thailand, if you've lived in our house in Thailand, I know there's a few of you out there. Um, there's so many of you that don't know us, unfortunately. It used to be everybody knew us, but now. So that's what we're going to do today is introduce ourselves and kind of tell you our journey. So I also feel like God has been preparing a message um, <clears throat> focused on love which we've been singing about like crazy this morning, which is awesome. It leads right into what we're sharing. And it turned, um, I didn't know who that was going to be shared with because God started laying on that on my heart in May before we even got here. Uh, but it turns out it's you and also me because I needed to hear it too as I studied for it. Now, don't get too excited. I already talked to you and told you we're not public speakers, so don't. Ex- it might be a little raw, but hopefully after today you will know us a little more and we'll be, uh, be encouraged by our story. To be clear, there is nothing special about missionaries at all. I love what a pastor, that we, a friend of ours from South Africa says. He says, you are either a missionary or you're the mission field. There's no other option. You're either a believer in Christ or you need to believe in Christ. And so I wonder if we called ourselves missionaries rather than Christians, if that would change our point of view a little bit about how we live. If we just say we're Christians, we feel like we can maybe get comfortable in that. But missionaries, when you think about being a missionary, most people think it's people who are getting out of their comfort zone. And I think that's what God asks of us each day. How did we become international missionaries? We didn't just wake up one morning and become international missionaries. It is a journey, and we started here before we even left. But God has been working on us through our experiences, both good and bad. Uh, and Michelle was born and raised in Iowa as a CNE Christian is what we called her, but it was she went to Christmas and Easter messages, and that was it. Um, I was born in California and raised on the West Coast and in Iowa, and I first heard of Jesus when I was in the second grade. I was saved at nine years old, but my family life wasn't the greatest, and so I faded, my faith faded as a young teenager, And um, but next step is our careers uh, in nuclear power and health physics filled excuse me in the health physics field led us to travel all over america and in 1994 we decided to move to rockport and make it our home base she's signaling for the slide so so uh, we were searching for a home church and god led us to coastal oaks in 1995 in 1997 i rededicated my life and Michelle was saved that same week and also baptized that same week at Coastal Oaks. We grew in our walk by being here at every service. Every time the doors were open, we were here, and we learned to serve by serving others at every event that Coastal Oaks had, and we became well aware of the power of prayer. Uh, Pastor Kevin was did everything with prayer, just as Pastor Chris is following in that same model. We love it. Uh, we truly feel like Coastal Oaks is our home. The picture up here is me being baptized that week he was talking about, and I was saved on a Wednesday, and Pastor Kevin said, 
Um, I said, what do you do now? And he's like, oh, well, you need to be baptized. And I said, can we do it today? Because there's less people at church on Wednesday. So I didn't want to stand in front of people like, I'm still that way a little bit. Um, so uh, the next slide, I think. From 1999 to 2004, we moved to Rockport, Missouri for work. Still growing and learning and listening to um, to the Lord and how he could use us. We plugged into a local church there and we went through Rick Warren's study of purpose-driven life and that really was super impactful on our journey that we're on today. And we were also blessed to become a family of four. And Ryan and JC are here, if they'd stand up. They are 21 and 19 now. <clears throat> and they live here full time and we think they're pretty awesome and so you should get to know them. Oh, that's still me. Um, next, next slide. So we came back to Texas after being away for a while, and um, Kevin planned on doing missions in Mexico. And I was going to go along, just as the obedient wife, do what your husband wants to do. Um, but later we found out why Mexican didn't work is because I was not called to missions yet. We served in multiple roles here at Coastal, both on teams and leadership roles. We went through a couple more studies, uh, the Henry Blackaby's Experiencing God and John Ortberg's If You Want to Walk on Water, You Got to Get Out of the Boat. And those really what pushed us over the edge to like, okay, missions is what we're supposed to be doing. Um, so in 2006, we became the first mission team leaders here. And we were asked to bring the SBTC's Acts 1-8 challenge to the church. And that says, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So our mission for the mission, our vision for the missions team was to join God where he was working both locally and in the state of Texas, the country, and worldwide. Our first big step was a vision trip to Thailand to learn how to lead mission trips there, short-term trips. And so that's where I received the call. We were there only five days, and I love what the missionaries were doing there. I love the work, I love the people, I loved prayer walking, I loved everything about it. And I wanted to send message to our babysitter and say, send the kids over, we're gonna move here. So, but it took a couple years after that, but we did eventually get there, obviously. Um, over the next few years, we also sent several other short-term trips um, over there to Thailand. And this is our time that we worked, um, yeah, that we worked here at the church. The one on the left, obviously, is VBS. We were very involved in VBS. I love doing all the decorating and stuff like that. And then while we were looking for pictures, I'm like, how come I can't find any pictures of me? It's because I was the photographer for almost every event we had. So I did find one picture. And then the kids were in the Coastal Oaks, um, the Christmas pageant that we used to have. JC was the toddler Jesus, and um, Rayanne sang with the, the villagers, I guess. Um, the next slide is we served with the International Mission Board starting in 2008. We did a three years term with them, and we were look, working in Pattaya, Thailand. And Pattaya is known for sex tourism. So you can imagine there's lots of ministries already happening there, lots of human trafficking, lots of children work. Um, our project's purpose <clears throat> excuse me, was to connect missions to churches back here in the States by hosting short-term teams and teaching them how to prayer walk. We um, served alongside them. We handed out Bibles to Chinese tourists. That was our main focus. And that was happened in the evening when the tourists were out and about. But then during the day, we um, helped the Thai ministries um, with whatever they were doing. Um, the pictures here on the left is Rayanne. We're handing out Bibles to the Chinese tourists there with the team. And the middle one is a Banjing Jai, a children's home for kids that would have been rescued or at risk 
for human trafficking or just been abandoned. Um, and here we're doing a um, service project with the team. And then on the right, Kevin is praying over a lady in the slums. We did a lot of slums work at that time too. And the next slide. Um, during this time, our IMB three-year term ended. So we came back to the States for four months and we went back as independent missionaries. And we called ourselves support missionaries. And I think support missionaries are best explained by using a football analogy. But in Asia, they call soccer football, and I don't ever understand that. But for today, I'm talking about American football. So um, we all know who the quarterback is. He leads the team. Even if you aren't even familiar with the game of football, you know who he is. He's in the middle of the lineup. He calls the plays. He passes the balls. Um, as far as missionaries concerned, let's say quarterbacks are the evangelists, the church planners, the ones that save people from human trafficking. But we all know the quarterback's not the only one on the field. For him to accomplish a win, he has to rely on a support team. So that's where support missionaries come in. We aren't the quarterback, but we are members of the team that we work together to help accomplish God's mission, whatever that looks like. The main purpose of our ministry was to help our missionary friends from burning out and help new ministries to start up. Helping missionaries stay in the field for us looked like Michelle homeschooling Ryan and JC, while also helping organize events and take care of administrative duties for missionary friends who were home on furlough. For me, it was helping ministries with whatever they needed, from building projects to routine maintenance to teaching missionaries how to drive a standard transmission to learning where to find stuff. So here you have like Home Depot and Lowe's and whatever you need. You can go there and get pretty much everything you need for your project. In Thailand, at least at that time, it was more, might take a week to find everything to do one project. So you might, you just like finding a roll of wire. Took me like five days one time just to find a roll of wire. And so, and then I found it at a grocery store. So just being able to help those people that coming to start a ministry know where to look to find what they need to get stuff done. So. Uh, as a family, we uh, came along ministries for holiday celebrations and various other outreaches. We also did something similar to what Awana's is like here, but kind of more built, built around hygiene. There was still memorization of the Bible and stuff like that, but we also handed out vitamin C, and we helped trim nails and dress wounds and things like that. We also continued to host teams during this time, connecting them to the local ministries. So these, these pictures are... Um the big picture there is JC. Obviously, we we're talking about when Jesus washed the disciples' feet, so he's displaying that. Um, and that was with the Padia Slum Ministries he was talking about. The upper right-hand corner one is Rayanne at the Bridge Children's Ministry. Um, that's a ministry that was helping kids do something in the evening when their parents worked at night because there's not a lot of child care options. If you work at night and you have kids, you take them to work with you. So this was a, a need that this family found and... Um, so we helped out there occasionally. And then on the bottom right, we are serving on Logos Hope ship. It's a ship that goes around the world. We just volunteered for one day, but I just love that picture and it, it, that memory comes up. And um, it's basically a floating bookstore that goes all over the world and spreading Jesus. Um, they do ministries and stuff while they're there. It's just, just a great ministry. Um, the next slide. In 2015, God called us to Chiang Mai, Thailand. It's a beautiful city in the mountains of the north, northern Thailand, and it's known for its ecotourism. 
has a population of about a million people. So we have all the modern, you know, the main, many modern conveniences. We also have rice fields and hundreds of Buddhist temples and elephants. We had no idea why we were called away from Pattaya, but it didn't take us long for God to show us where he was working. Um, Chiang Mai is less than a three-hour flight to 70% of the world's population, so that makes it a good hub for hundreds of missionary organizations to have a home base there. The, and the lack of quality education is one of the main reasons people leave the mission field. So 23 years ago, five organizations got together and started Grace International School. I think there were about 70 kids that started, started out, and they opened it up to any missionary organization, any denomination was, was able to use the school. Um, now it's grown to over 600 students, K through 12. Um, this is my eighth year, volunteering full-time in the elementary administrative assistant, and all the foreign staff, that's me. It's hard to get used to that, but there are almost 100 of us, and all self, we're all self-funded to keep the cost of education low for our missionary families because there's 85% of our students are missionary kids. Um, our parents range anywhere from pastors, Bible translators, church planners. They run children's home. They fight human trafficking, teach English. They have farming or prison ministries. Um, they serve in over 40 different countries. So the world is really being reached from that area of the world. Um, I have no idea how long God is going to have me serve there at Grace, but I love what I do, and I'm going to continue doing it until I hear otherwise. Um, here's my shameful plug. If you're a teacher or you know a teacher who's ever wanted to serve overseas or just to see what that's like, we have lots of opportunities every year. We have a pretty good turnaround of our teaching staff, and we have other opportunities to serve, too, uh, administrative-wise. Um, the school's vision is to enable ministries, equip students to reach the world for Christ, and cultivate community. Um, so if any of that resonates with you, come talk to me out in the lobby. Um, or you can go to gisthailand.org, and there's, pre there's lots of information there. Um, also at our table, there is one book that has specific stories of the parents we serve and how grace is so impactful to their ministries. Um, these pictures are Rayanne's up in the upper left-hand corner. Every um, year we have one week, that's Spiritual Emphasis Week, where the kids have chapel every day, and it's really a really focused discipleship. And then on Fridays, they go out and serve in the communities um, all over. They serve all over. Um, this particular one, I think she was at a disabled school, a school for disabled children. Um, the bottom left one is every month, um, students can sign up to do Night Bazaar Evangelism, and at the night bazaar, there's hundreds and hundreds of tourists. And so they go out, they pray before they go, and then they go out and look for people that speak English. They could be from France or Italy or wherever, and they just talk about Jesus and see, see what they know about the gospel, and they spread the gospel that way. And then the one on the right is me um, helping a third grade class make Viking helmets. And one of the students in this particular class, his name is Mark, and his parents work with the Lehu Hill Tribe people, and they, <clears throat> excuse me, they're translating the Bible in their language, they're planting churches, they're um, helping people go to Bible college, um, and they have a pig farm and a coffee farm, so they're helping them learn sustainability and how, how to make a living. So it's, that's just one example of one of our parents, what, they, what they're doing for the world. So I think the next... Yes, the next picture.
When we moved to Chiang Mai, I kept helping where I could, slowly helping Grace more and more until I was called to be the facilities director while they were in transition from the original school to an interim school, and then finally to the new schools, about a three-year process. Um, shortly after I took that position, Harvey hit here. And so I was about six weeks into my new position. I didn't know what I was doing yet. Harvey hit, I came here for six weeks and was doing triage and helping whoever could here. Um, my nuclear time had given me first commander training, so it was really helpful for the Harvey response. And then after I got back, my boss left like six weeks later. And so I'm like, I don't know, six months into my job and I still don't really know what I'm doing and worried about the house and different things like that. And I just hit a wall. I hit burnout. Um, I left a piece of meat on a grill for three days and went out to grill something else and went, oh, I left that out there. And then I just lost my words. I couldn't say pulpit. I couldn't say chair. It was ridiculous. I just, it was something I've never experienced. And it was interesting to me that um, when we went back in 2012, we had felt called to help our missionary friends keep from burning out. And uh, here I was in burnout. So also the team members of the school facilities team that I took over, they were also on the edge of burnout because they were moving the school, all those places too. So they were burnout. So now I can emphasize completely with them. And uh, so, but I, after I hit burnout, I wasn't able to leave the position. I had to stay there to kind of help muddle along. So I bobbed in the waters of burnout for about a year and a half. And then after that, COVID hit. So um, I was here for part of that with my daughter, Rianne. But basically, it's just been a long and grueling recovery from that. But I'm finally, praise the Lord, coming out of that. And um, uh, it was just... I'm so thankful for what God taught me in these five years since in that time, but it's hard not to have feelings of regret for not being my best. Um, I believe that the remedy for burnout is investing our time in two areas that a lot of us often neglect. That's our daily quiet time and our Sabbath. Even missionaries lose those. And so for me, I didn't lose my quiet time, thank God, um, but I did lose my rest. I Stop taking the time I needed to make myself as I should. In December, this December, the plan is for me to begin volunteering with Send Relief as a host for disaster relief teams, as well as an inspector of organizations who receive support from Send Relief. Basically, just making sure that the organizations that receive the funds are doing what they say they're going to do, and there's people actually there, and it's being done safely and in a clean manner as possible, and then report that back to Send Relief. Send Relief is a kind of a fairly new organization, but it's a marriage between uh, organizations that have been doing relief work for, for decades. So uh, North American Mission Board and the International Mission Board have combined together to make Send Relief, and they work in poverty and refugee and disaster relief, but they also do other things. Pastor Chris was letting me know that Send Relief also helped them with their adoptions. So it's not just relief. Um, and thank you, Michelle. I'm going to let her sit down and take a deep breath and breathe normally for the rest of the day. <laughs> this is one of the harder things for both of us to do, but Michelle's a little more introverted than I am, so it's a little harder for her. Thank you for praying for her, those that did that. Um, as we've shared, Coastal Oaks has been a foundational piece of our lives, a cornerstone of sorts for us. When we came through the doors the first time in 1995, we felt completely loved. No judgment, just acceptance. She was not a perfect church. No church is, because church is filled with imperfect people like me. 
and us and all of us. So on our return this year, we found things to feel just a little differently. And first we couldn't put our finger on it. And then we realized that we've been away a long time. We've been away for 14 years this month. So when you are removed from anything, from the body of Christ in any way, you can feel start feeling cold. So I want to just encourage you to get plugged in. <laughs> get plugged into small groups and get plugged into each other. Um, I have a friend right now who I know is praying for me. Thank you, Urian. And I know he's watching too. And uh, he is my buddy. We went through painful experiences. My burnout, he was a part of that. He was not my boss, but he was my boss's boss. And him and I have just grown so close. And even though he's been gone from the school for two or three years, we still communicate all the time, pray for each other all the time. And it's just a blessing to have people like that in your lives. So I'd really encourage you to get, dive into the small groups and uh, get it, just get close to each other. Um, Coastal Oaks has one cornerstone, that's Jesus Christ. And the example that he set for all of us was he left, was to pray. He always prayed before he did anything. He always went away to the quiet places. And in that time, he was able to love others from that, where they were. He never judged them where they were at at the moment. He just led them to where he wanted them to be. And so I want to encourage all of us to remember to pray so that we can move forward in love. Pastor Chris is planning on bringing back corporate worship, or excuse me, corporate prayer next year. And we love that. That is awesome. I plead with you guys, get plugged in. Whatever night, whatever day, whatever time that is, make it a priority no matter, no matter what. We believe it will be life-changing in the life of Coastal Oaks Church, also in this community and worldwide, no doubt. I don't know Pastor Chris very well. We were here for almost five months, but we were also running around. It seemed like half that time, and we took a month trip and all that. But I really feel like I see his heart for the Lord in prayer. And thank God he has brought a body to this body, a pastor who prays. We are excited for the future, and we'll be praying for our beloved family in this community as we all work together to pull out any roots of discontent in our own lives. Because when we have discontent in our own lives removed, then we can love on each other, and we can become, once again, that praying, overwhelming anybody who walks in with the love of Christ, body of believers. So how did we get here today in our story? We are here today solely on the basis of the prayers of God's people. Those prayers are the foundation of, God's, of the love of God poured into our lives. And we do our best to maintain love flowing through forgiveness and repentance. And as 2 Corinthians 5.14, the first part says, For Christ compels, for Christ's love compels us. That's what it's all about. The love of Christ in each of us should compel us to love each other. What is the greatest commandment? Matthew twenty-two thirty-six through 40 says, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Don't miss that phrase, as yourself. To me, that is saying you also have to love, have some love for self for you to love your neighbor. In one word, what is the greatest command? Love. 
Say it with me. Love. Thank you. That is, that is it. That's why God came to earth was for love. That's why we do what we do for love. Is Jesus given a new command? No. Jesus is saying love in this manner will fulfill all the other commandments. What does love look like? Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Take that in for a second. That's awesome. That's, can you imagine anybody else dying for anybody else? Yet he died for all of us. For another great passage on what love looks like, please read 1 John 2, 3, and 4 in your own time. We're not going to do that today. Um, I'm going to speak from my experiences and hope that some of you can relate. The truth is my great stumbling block is not loving myself well. I confess I didn't even truly know what that looks like. Even now, I still find myself struggling in this area from time to time. I feel like I'm probably not alone in this. It is easier for me to love others than to love myself. Be careful of the voices you listen to and guard against internalizing those voices. Be diligent in laying unconfessed and possibly more importantly, already confessed sins at the foot of the cross. Scars from the past wounds are often footholds for guilt that leads to not loving yourself well. Which means we can't love others as we should. Oftentimes our perception of ourselves or how we believe others perceive us is not reality. The truth is God loves you and me, scars and all. Praise the Lord. Can I get an amen? Yes. <laughs> What is the key? The key is to see ourselves as God does. Take the way a parent loves their own offspring and then multiply that times the biggest number you can and know that's not enough. He delights in you. Proverbs 11.20 says, The Lord detests those whose hearts are perverse, but he delights in those whose ways are blameless. What does God do? He delights in you and me. Turn to your neighbor and say, God delights in you. <laughs> Try thinking of God delighting in you. Every time you take a step of obedience, God is over the moon, or maybe in his case, over the universe, like your biggest personal cheerleader. He just can't get enough of you. What does love do? 1 Peter 4.8 says, Above all, love each other deeply. Because love covers over a multitude of sins. Ooh, I'm glad that there's enough people that, that love me enough to look past my sins. And we need to do that for each other. Also, like we said earlier, 2 Corinthians 5.14a says, For Christ's love compels us. His love compels us to love enough to cover a multitude of sins. How strong is this love of God? Crazy strong. Romans 8.38 and 39 says... For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's incredible. That's, I, can't even imagine, we, I can't imagine what they're saying here, how strong that is. 
It's just incredible how strong God's love is for us, and we need to remember that. What does maturity in love look like? Ephesians 4, 15, and 16 says, Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become, in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head, that is, Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love, as each part does its work. So each person has a role, and he equips us for that role. We need to find our role and then stay in our lane, so to speak. Usually when we step outside the role of God has for our lives, we are not very effective. And that takes away from us doing our very best in our God-given role. I think there are times when we do need to take on other roles, but most of the time that should be temporarily until God has someone for that role. For those that we've encouraged to come to the mission field and we've mentored a few people that way, we tell them, going to the international field, use a rifle to hit your target that God is showing you. Not a shotgun blasting at everything you, every need you see. Because in the international mission field, you can get completely overwhelmed with everything you see. And if you tried to fix every single thing, you'll be completely ineffective. But if you take a look at what God's showing you and you hit that target, then you can be effective. In the same way here, God has a role for you here. And if you're hitting the target that he's showing you, then you'll be effective in what he has you to do. In the past, we've said some are called to give, some are called to pray, and some are called to go. And with regards to international missions, I believe that still stands. Not everyone can give or go, but of course everyone can pray. However, I believe all Christians, missionaries, are called to all three, locally and abroad actually, are all, all are called to give, if not your finances, then your time to serve someone or to pray for them. All are called to go, go live your life out in front of others, wherever that may be, from Rockport, Texas, to Chiang Mai, Thailand. And if necessary, you can even use words. All are called to pray. Even if you're completely immobile or can't even speak, you can pray to the Father who hears us no matter what. I was asked one time if I would go to prison and speak to a young man because they were having a hard time finding a pastor to come visit him. And I didn't know the man. I didn't know his family. But I said, if you can get me in, I'll go. So they let me in because I was a missionary. Um, yeah, I'm just a person. But anyway, they let me in. So I sat with this young man. He went on for about 45 minutes about himself and what had happened to him. But he had, a, he had a, a family member in his life that he had watched go through the same trials he did, but he had God. And he noticed that they had peace, even through all the storms that they had been through. And I said, do you want that peace? And he said, yes, I want that peace. And he already knew all the steps. He knew Jesus was the Son of God, lived a perfect life. So I led him in the Lord's Prayer. And then I encouraged him to get involved in a Bible study. And it was amazing to think about the transformation that happened from a young man who was talking about all, all about himself and everything that happened to him and how miserable his life was to immediately after the prayer, I need to get out of here so I can tell my brother, my sister, all my friends about God. And to watch that is just an incredible feeling. I hope everybody gets a chance to do that at some point. As we pray...
we also need to ask God to help us love well and not condemn each other because we are all in different places in our journey, all of us. We should lovingly lift each other up with words of affirmation. We should pray for repentance for ourselves first and for all of our brothers and sisters in the Lord and not talk about it other than to say, I've been there myself. How can you know you are loved and learn to love yourself and others well? Make it a habit to be in his word, be in his presence, and be about his kingdom business every day. As much as possible, live in peace with all of those around you. It's okay to be upset with someone or something. Just take it to the Lord first, and then if necessary, take it to the person. But whatever you do, don't take it to the streets. Strive to be known as a loving prayer servant, one who not only prays for others and themselves, but listens to the Lord as he responds and then be all about obedience to that response. We all have places where we hear best from the Lord. Prayer closets, in the shower, on the porch, in front of a fire, while petting your favorite pet, or maybe being outdoors is your thing like me. I think it's safe to say we usually listen best in the quiet corners of our lives. I believe it, if we're being honest with ourselves, though, that if very few of us spend enough time in the quiet corners of our lives, hearing the Lord call out to us, this is the way, walk in it, and also take more time for Sabbath. I also believe if we were to take the time necessary before the throne and in grounding ourselves in the Lord, then burnout and lack of joy would be much of a less thing. We can pray and should pray without ceasing every moment of every day. But we need to not neglect going to the quiet corners and listening not just for the direction, but for healing and for filling. So we have something to pour out of our lives into the lives of all those around us. What is that something we pour out? It's love. But it's not man's love. It's God's love pressed down, shaken together, and overflowing out of our lives. We only get filled with God's love in one place when we're spending time with him. I am speaking not as a pastor or teacher. I am only sharing what God has laid on my heart while connecting the dots with how we have come to this point in our earthly journey. As I wrap up, we want to to extend a warm invitation for you to come to see us in Thailand and see what God's doing. I'm going to leave you again with that chapter, that challenge that I gave earlier on reading 1 John chapters 2, 3, and 4. When you get home, to dive it a little deeper into what love is and what it looks like. I think if you are saved, but you don't feel like, if you think you are saved, but you don't feel like the love of Christ has made a difference in your life or the lives of those around you, maybe take a minute to reflect on whether that decision was genuine. Because if you have the genuine love of Christ in you, it's going to compel you to love others. If you haven't seen that in your life, please reflect on that. If you don't understand all this talk about incredible, life-changing, crazy love, or you're not sure about your salvation, please don't go home without knowing for sure where you stand in eternity. If things have been going a little sideways and you've wandered from your faith a little bit, same thing. Come rededicate your life and start having, letting that love pour out of your life to others. I'm going to end with a prayer from Ephesians. You can close your eyes. You don't have to close your eyes. It says to kneel, but I'm not going to kneel because I'm going to be away from the microphone. So it says, Ephesians chapter 3, 14 says, For this reason I kneel before the Father. 
from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that ye may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church, and in this church, and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for your prayers for us, and God bless each and every one of you. We'll be out in the foyer if you have any questions or if you just want to meet us. Thank you so much. Bye.